0: this is shiar jeshub coming from shiar jeshub christian tabernacle in madison connecticut hi i'm patty scalzo and today we will be continuing a sermon from 2nd samuel chapter 12 delivered by my husband pastor greg scalzo this sermon was part of the heavenly authority series which pastor taught and the current sermon focuses on David's repentance and restoration after his sins against Uriah the Hittite. When we left off, David heard that the child he had with Bathsheba, who had become ill, was now dead. Upon receiving the news, he cleans himself off and goes into the house of the Lord to worship. And then he ends the fast, which he had undertaken when he pled with God For the child's life. So let's rejoin Pastor Greg.
1: The guilt doesn't override him, doesn't bring him so far down, and you say, why does he have that confidence? What could possibly make him respond in such a way when he was so broken at the child's illness? He says, can I bring him back? I shall go to him but he shall not return to me. I'm going to see him again. He's not going to come to me any longer. He's dead here, but I'm going to go see him someday. David knows God keeps his word. God has kept his word here, right, by the penalty. He knows he has a rod and a staff. He makes promises and he keeps them, and he proclaims judgments and he keeps them. And God keeps his word, then God's word about eternity, about the everlasting spirit is also true. And David has great surety that he will see his child in the world to come. And that's enough then for now. Now he has to do the Lord's work. If he stays there trapped by the guilt, the guilt no longer does what it's supposed to do. Now it too inhibits the going forth of the kingdom. Now is the time to get up. There's a time for everything. Usually in the world, we don't know when we're apart from God, God's timing. When God wants us to rejoice, we cry. When God wants us to cry, we rejoice. There is a time to cry, there is a time to rejoice. David has repented, now it's time for David to worship the Lord, to say your ways are righteous, and now I have to make amends, Lord. You pay the price, I can't. But now I have to have that pure spirit, Created me a clean heart. Now I have to tell sinners your ways, teach transgressors your ways, Build the kingdom the way I should have been rather than being on that rooftop looking out at Bathsheba, and now long for the day and look to the day of the great resurrection when I will see him again. You are just in all your ways, Lord. Now let me do what needs to be done. And we move on. Then the guilt has done the right thing, the conviction has been solved by the repentance. That repentance has led to the sins being washed and a greater appreciation of God's mercy and grace than ever before. Not that we should ever sin that grace might abound, but David realizes he's not as good as he thought he was. And now he can build Jerusalem, build the kingdom, and look with hope and say, God is true to his promises. I will see that child again someday. And then there's solace. In verse 24, Then David comforted Bathsheba, his wife. Now she's called his wife. Now she's legitimately his wife. And he went into her and lay with her. So she bore a son, and he called his name Solomon. Remember, we read this once before when later on David speaks to Solomon in 1 Chronicles chapter 22 about building uh, the temple, the physical structure. He, in verse 6 of chapter 22 of First Chronicles, he calls his son Solomon. He charges him to build a house for the Lord God of Israel. And David said to Solomon, My son as for me, it was in my mind to build a house to the name of the Lord my God. But the word of the Lord came to me saying, You have shed much blood and have made great wars, and you shall not build a house for my name because you have shed much blood on the earth in my sight. Behold, the son shall be born to you who shall be a man of rest, and I will give him rest from all his enemies all around. His name shall be Solomon. Solomon means peaceful, peace. For I will give peace and quietness to Israel in his days. And it goes on, and the description of Solomon goes from the actual son with Bathsheba to the Son of David, the Messiah, who truly would be peace, and we discussed that. So when this child is born to them, David knows by the Spirit's anointing that he is to call this son Solomon, as the Lord had previously told him before Solomon was born. And it says, now the Lord, Yahweh, loved him. God loves him. Remember, David means beloved. And here David has a son, he has many sons, but he has a son that comes from this bad situation. Now Bathsheba legitimately is his wife and he legitimately has a son with her who is loved by God even as David was loved. Now the Lord loved him, verse 25, and he sent word by the hand of Nathan the prophet. So he called his name, Nathan calls him through God's anointing Jedediah. Jedediah, because of the Lord. It's interesting about Nathan. He sends word of this comfort, this time of restoration to David through Nathan. Nathan has been the one that's brought the tr- tremendous messianic prophecies to David. Nathan, Nathan has been the prophet that's brought the terrible decrees of judgment upon David. And now Nathan the prophet is the one that brings the king this moment of restoration of God's love, of God's mercy, of God's grace. David, you're forgiven. David, God has given you a son that God loves. And he brings and good tidings. And this relationship of the prophet to the king that you see here with Nathan and David, that we saw with Samuel and Saul, goes on throughout the entire Old Testament, that God uses the prophets as a counterbalance to the authority of the king. The king is the anointed leader. He has all the governmental power, but God has anointed prophets to counterbalance the king. They would encourage the king when the king would need encouragement and the enemies would be encamped at the walls of Israel. They would be there to rebuke the king. And many times the kings did evil in the sight of the Lord. And God would raise up the prophets, as Nathan did in the chapter before, to come and proclaim judgment against the king. And God would communicate to the king through the prophet. And the leader, the king, might have all that governmental power, but God's word was mightier than any of the power of the king. And the prophet was was the minister of God's word. That was a counterbalance to God's giving of the authority to the king. Jedediah. Jedediah means beloved of the Lord. Nathan, by God's anointing, gives this name now to Solomon. And now this one, as David was beloved, this one is also beloved of Yahweh, and God's favor has returned to David. But quickly, we read about consequences. Before we do that, though, let's look at verse 26. Now, Joab fought against Rabbah of the people of Ammon. This is the war that's been going on, right? And this is the one that's so connected in our minds to Uriah's death. Joab, the very pragmatist general, fights, and he takes the royal city, the chief city, Rabbah of the Ammonites. And Joab sent messengers to David and said, I have fought against Rabbah and have taken the city's water supply. Now, therefore, gather the rest of the people together and encamp against the city and take it, lest I take the city and it be called after my name. And you see that loyalty that Joab has, sometimes rightfully and sometimes wrongfully to David, that he wants David to get the credit so David gathered all the people together and went to Rabbah and fought against it and took it. Then he took their king's crown from his head. Its weight was a talent of gold with precious stones, and it was set on David's head. Also, he brought out the spoil of the city in great abundance. So God's favor returns. In this battle that's been so closely associated with David's sin, God shows his forgiveness. The repentance is complete. Another child is born to replace the first, and David gets victory against his enemies who have come out to fight against him. And the restoration is complete. But the consequences, the reaping, begins. It says in chapter 13, after this, Absalom, the son of David, had a lovely sister whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her. Now, let's get a little background here. Absalom is David's third son. He's born to Maacah, Maacah the daughter of the king of Geshur. Geshur is a small Aramean kingdom that's on the eastern slopes of Mount Hermon. And probably in one of the political alliances... David marries the king's daughter and the third of his sons, Absalom, is born to him through Maacah. Tamar is the full sister of Absalom. She's his whole sister. She has the same father and the same mother. Amnon, Amnon is the oldest son of David. He's David's firstborn. And if you know anything about the scriptures, you know the importance of the firstborn son to the father. So Amnon is his firstborn, his oldest son, by Ahinoam. And you, you get all this in 2 Samuel chapter 3, verses 2 to 3. And Amnon here, the firstborn son, the one that should replace David, he is overcome by lust. He sees his half-sister, the full sister of Absalom, and he desires her so much that he becomes physically ill Because he can't have her. And his morally wicked friend and cousin, Jonadab. Jonadab is the son of David's brother, one of David's brothers, his seven brothers. So it's Jonadab, um, who's David's nephew, who's Amnon's cousin. He gives Amnon this evil plan. you got to watch sometimes these friends that say, well, why are you in this situation? Like he says to Adnan, why don't you just? How many kids in school, they're being bombarded by wrong messages on television in school? Uh, They're about to do wrong, and there, there needs to be something to push them over the edge, and it's usually peer pressure. It's usually that one friend that says, why don't you just? And that's the type of friend that Jonadab is. We will have to break into the sermon at
0: this point. If you would like to fellowship with the congregation of Shear Jeshub Christian Tabernacle, we would love to see you at our Sunday service. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. in the upper room of the Madison Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane. Take I-95 to exit 61 in Madison. Go south to Route 1, turn right and at the next light turn right again and if you would like to write to us our address is shear Jeshub christian tabernacle post office box 518 branford connecticut 06405 may our lord jesus bless you as you grow in the knowledge of him